0: Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew, sometimes we share how our day was and how things are going and all of that stuff. I don't want any of that today. Okay. The reason is because the guy that we've got talking with us today, I just have so much anticipation so I want to give him every second that I can Sam Williamson Samuel Williamson author and speaker I'm only
1: Samuel when I'm in trouble Kevin
0: okay but you may be I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm Not sure not. I'm not sure we'll find out <laughs> but I met him high atop the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. I think I even shared it with some f- folks on the show a couple of episodes ago. Randy Luce talked me into it and actually altered the trajectory of my walk with God and for a variety of reasons, but for a big reason is that Sam Williamson, Gary Barkalow, love Jesus and they say yes to the things that he asked them to do. And so that's where we hung out And we wanted to have some time to talk with each other. I think, Sam, you actually said there's an attraction. There's a, I want to get to know each other better. I certainly felt that way. And we never got to. So I was like, I know a way we could do this. Let's Skype. (laughs) So Sam Williamson, you are the founding director of Beliefs of the Heart I have checked out your blog and your website, beliefsoftheheart.com. I've read your book. I stalked you. I've listened to every podcast that you <laughs> posted up. I've listened to the one that you did with Gary. So I'm kind of a fanboy. <laughs> I really am a fan. So I am so excited to be talking with you, brother
1: kevin i've been looking forward to talking to you. we kept saying during this retreat which was what four weeks ago now we kept saying we got to talk together and we never did but yeah. the opening night if you remember gary just said what's the one or two words that would describe where you're at right now?
0: Yeah, I remember.
1: And everybody in the retreat, because it was a small retreat, the retreat center had limited the number of people who could come. But I remember you spoke, and something in my heart just resonated with you. I said, I want to meet this guy. So from Thursday night through Sunday lunch, I wanted to meet with you, and then I never did. And unfortunately, that opening night, 7 o'clock Thursday night, in my mind, I thought your name was Jack. Jack. And from I then on, this. I called you Jack, and you never corrected me. No, I
0: just it's figured, hey, Jack is a good nickname Steve to
1: have. It was not Jack.
0: <laughs> it was funny, Sam, when you bring it up, because I go back to that first night, and um, mm-hmm. I think it was a day, and Gary asked us the words. He had some words that were up on the screen, and we could throw our own words into it as well. And for once in my life, I exhibited some restraint and didn't go first, like, oh, pick me, pick me, because I wanted to kind of read the tone of the group. I'm a rookie, right? I'm a new guy there, and these guys know and love each other. I really feel like men have to have this. They've got to find this. It doesn't have to be up in the Rocky Mountains, although that's cool, right, to set that aside and to be able to get away from all the clamor, but I had five words and so, this
1: is where you said you showed some restraint. And yeah. I was thinking, maybe you showed restraint by not going first, but we were supposed to choose one or two and you chose five. Yeah, I so did.
0: <laughs> some restraint. I did. And all five of them were true. But the <laughs> Lord has been working on me over time in, in such a loving, fatherly, masterful way that I've got all sorts of things that I'm really fired up about that I am absolutely, the Holy Spirit, giddy about. And there were men in that room that were going through some hard season and transitions and things that they were working on. That's why it was so beautiful right off the bat because they were so transparent and they were so willing to just bear their soul to each other, not in an, a weepy sort of way, in a really real way. Mm, so I used two of the words that were not as like, woohoo, <laughs> but then it. But then I confessed that later on in the days that we were there that, yeah, I'm pretty fired up. Some things are going really, really well. And it was such a good time. I'm going back and I've talked to our men's pastor and and said, hey, this is what this was like for me. You should go. You'll love it.
1: <laughs> you know, Jack, I'm, I want to call you Jack, okay, because I so know your yeah, name is Kevin. Yeah. So, so Gary and I do retreats around the year and I do retreats on hearing God with men's groups or with churches. And Gary and I will do ones on calling. But my favorite retreat of every year is base camp, where men are really real. And as you're saying, it's not a false positive, although some guys are doing really well, and you rejoice with them. It's not this horrible negative where guys are just saying, I'm going through a hard time and it's hopeless. There's a real description of the difficulty where I really can weep with guys without being hopeless. I, I feel like I can share their heart in a certain sense. I love this base camp every single year. I just love it. And so, I look forward to seeing you and more of your friends next year. Hopefully, we'll see Matthew as well. It's good. It's real, and it's good.
0: Yeah, I read, I think it was in your book, Hearing God in Conversation, which I do want to talk about, but there was a retreat that you went to, and it was all hokey masculine, over-the-top kind of thing, and so you weren't ever going to go back, and then you went back again, and then for the third time, and it was really about hearing from God even though you didn't wanna, you wanted to please the Lord and you wanted to follow His direction and then it was breakthrough.
1: In my book, I'm talking about how I remember hearing one guy say, the way you know it's God's voice is you feel peace. I had gone to this men's retreat where, you know, some men's retreats, guys leave, and they're smoking cigars, and they're spitting, and they're swaggering, and you're thinking, that's not really Christian masculinity. But so, I had gone to two of these retreats, and that's sort of what was happening. So, I did not want to go. And Carla, my wife, is saying, Sam, what does your heart say? I say, my heart says, stay away. And I prayed, and I felt like God say, go. And I wouldn't say that I had peace. Yeah, But I had this absolute certainty in my heart that God wanted me to go. And I felt like when I went, and it really was pure obedience, and it was grudging obedience, <laughs> I wasn't even joyful about it. But when I went, God spoke to me, and He gave me the name of my website, He gave me a vision for the kind of work He wanted me to do, and I was desperate for this kind of vision, and I felt like God gave it to me. and. I, one of the things I want to say to people is, when God says something you don't want to hear, very often it's the very thing you do want to hear. Yeah. or near. You knew everything that God knew at that moment.
0: Right. Sam, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to listen to the podcast at all, but it's... I did.
1: I especially loved listening to Miguel. I think he was a month ago. Yo,
0: Miguel. Um, oh,
1: that's two. <laughs> two favorite. Yeah, oh, well- my God gosh, was I, I'm listening, and I'm literally pausing it, because I have to think about what was just said. Both what you were saying and what he was saying, it was very moving.
0: Well, the point I wanted to bring up is that what we're based on is 1 Peter 3.15, and it's about regular folks, not big deal evangelists, but regular folks sharing the love of Christ, sharing the gospel with people naturally the way that God made them. Well, it'd be a really good idea if you were gonna play in that arena to hear from God. That would be really good. And so I wanted to talk about that. I read Gary Barkalos, who has said, he'll come and play with us on the podcast too, which I'm excited about. But when he reviewed your book, he said, hearing God, is it real, is it normal, is it weird? Sam grew up in a Christian family where listening to God was as normal and frequent as conversing with family members around the dinner table. It was simply what a relationship with God looked like for everyone, every place, all the time. Sam has done a brilliant job explaining through scripture, stories, and personal experiences how God speaks and how to hear Him. I want to know what it was like growing up for you. There's tastes of it in the book, but how was that? Because people, there's a lot of people who haven't experienced that kind of conversational relationship, that intimacy with God and their family. What was it like growing up?
1: It wasn't always fun, understand, but I look back and I treasure it because I've heard so many people who have had such difficulties in their lives and with their parents especially. But my parents both really believed in the Lord, but they also believed God speaks. And we had family devotions six nights a week, Monday through Saturday after dinner. And it was like, 20 minutes to 30, 20 to 30 minutes. And when you're eight years old, you do not necessarily want to have family devotion. <laughs> right. Dinner. You want to go out and play basketball. But they insisted on And the only reason we didn't do it Sunday night is because my dad was a pastor and we were going to church, you know, Right. in our family gatherings hearing God was just expected. We read scripture, we prayed for each other, we sang songs, but we would also just sort of say, what is God saying to you about that? I would do badly in school or I had a fight with a friend and we'd talk about it at family devotions and my mom or dad or one of my siblings would say, so what do you think God's saying to you? And it was, I feel like, helpful for me to grow up and in every situation when I remember, I don't always remember, but if there's a difficulty, say, what is God saying? This is not just Satan in charge when there's a difficulty, but God is using every circumstance to shape me, to mold me, to change my heart, to convict me of sin, to tell me he loves me, to rid me of impatience. God is saying and doing things, and I think I just grew up miraculously. I just owe my parents so much. I just owe them so much, but miraculously, I grew up expecting to hear God.
0: Wow. Part of the tone of it, as you describe it, really jumped out to me because you said when we imagine hearing God, we mostly picture God telling us what to do. We ask for guidance, but it means we're asking for lectures. Do this. Don't do that. God wants conversations with us far more than he wants to lecture. That changes the entire thinking on hearing from God, right? Just having a conversation with you? God, the magnificent creator of billions of galaxies, wants to just hang out and talk and have a conversation with you?
1: I think that, ask Christians or non-Christians, you say, what is Christianity about? In some ways, they'd say, God is saving us. God is saving us from sin, he's saving us from death, he's saving us from evil, he's saving us for eternal life. Anyone who says, what is Christianity about? They'll tell us what God is saving us. He's saving us, and, he, and they tell us what he's saving us from, sin, death, etc., but almost no one ever asks the question, what is God saving us for? Mm-hmm. And I believe when you look at scripture, God is saving us for, and this is so huge, is he's saving us for a restored communication relationship with him.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: When, you know, scripture says God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden every day. In Hebrew, to walk is a metaphor, and it's a metaphor for a conversational relationship, just like we're having right now. We're just conversing. Yeah. And of course, when mankind sinned, we lost that communication, but God came to restore us back into this relationship with him. In fact, if you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, so remember, every sin that you can ever imagine, every oppression, every theft, every murder, every rape, every insult that you've been given, every wound that you've been given, all of these sins came because of that first sin from Adam and Eve. It's the Pandora's box of earth. And you would think if God was like our parents, he would have come lecturing. Why did you do this? What have you done? You know? But he doesn't. God comes and says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Now, he knows where they are, but he's opening a conversation with these people who just opened Pandora's box. I mean, the mercy and grace of this father who's coming back to say, I still want this conversational relationship with you. This is what God wants. So, he does have to lecture on occasion, just like we have to lecture to our kids, but we don't want to do it, do we? Don't we love to say, hey, Jim, what happened at school? Jill, you know, what happened to you? We want to hear from our kids much Mm -hmm. more than we want to lecture. And if we're okay, parents, then think how great God is.
0: (laughs) That just jumped off the page to me when you talked about the Hebrew metaphor, because you studied all these things and then found out that you couldn't get rich and famous being like what was it you studied in college
1: i studied 17th century european intellectual history
0: yeah that was a good idea (laughs) but you know what
1: basically i studied the enlightenment
0: i mean when you read the word when you share it like up at base camp it makes stuff come alive it has to like jesus's name emmanuel God with us. He wants to be with us. One of my purposes was to seek and to save that which was lost, and that's that relationship, exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. I want to ask you something, too, that really hit me. It hit me up there in Colorado, but it was personal for me when I was reading your book, because you said that the way that your dad talked with you, much of the time, you're equating your this conversational relationship that you have with your holy father like you had growing up. I didn't have that with my father, and a lot of people didn't have that with their father, like no father at all, or it just was a whole different relationship. And I think that image that people have of their earthly father or the lack thereof gets in the way of them having that type of relationship with their Father God. Do you find that to be true?
1: I absolutely do. Of course, when we grow up, we think that our family is just perfectly normal, don't we? When you're know, when right. you 10 years old, you might think your parents are a little strange, but in general, we think it's normal. And so, as a result, if we have a bad relationship with our parents because they're impatient, because they're short-tempered, because they're because they themselves are so wounded, they don't even know how to express love. Yeah. And then someone says, that's what God is like. We go, forget <laughs> right. And yet, I want to say, when you're 10, you may think that's normal. But when you're 30, you know that that wasn't normal. There's something inside us. There's As we mature, somehow we begin, don't we all begin to get a better image of what fatherhood or motherhood is? When we get married, don't we want to say, I want to do a little bit better job than my parents did? And so, we have an image of something good about God as a Father, because we have it for ourselves. We have a hope for ourselves, and yet God is going to be better than that hope. So, whatever Mm. little hint of an inkling of a wish we have for a Father who loves us, our Heavenly Father really is that on steroids.
0: One of the questions that pops up, I think, a lot of the time is, how can I know it's God's voice?
1: I would say, before I say how you can recognize God's voices, I want to give people a confidence that God is speaking. Yeah. Because in my ministry, I talk to so many men, and I talk to some women, and if you were to talk to any group of people, and you said, what are your top three or four or five problems? Some guys will say their problems with their career, but their marriage is great. Other people say, my marriage is great, but my career sucks. <laughs> Other people say, well, my marriage and career are great, but I just lost money in the stock market. So everybody's problems are different. But I would say almost every person I spoke to said, I don't really hear God. I sort of believe, but I don't hear God. And as I talk to people, there's a variety of reasons, but I would say most people felt like they didn't hear God because they sort of felt like hearing God is reserved for you know St. Francis or Mother Teresa, Billy Graham or someone like that. And I want to say to people who don't think they're good enough to hear God's voice, I want to say... God doesn't speak to us because of our greatness. He doesn't. He speaks to us because of His greatness,
0: Amen. Yep.
1: and His greatness is is great enough to overcome our lack of greatness. And if God is so great, and He came so that we have that restored relationship, we can have a confidence that He's always speaking. And I feel like having that confidence in some ways helps people begin to hear God's voice because it opens their eyes that he might be speaking in this moment of difficulty or in this moment of joy or in this moment up on a retreat in the Colorado Rockies. So, the first thing I'd want to say is, if you don't think you're good enough to hear God, it's not a bad place to start, honestly. Yeah. It's a place of humility. Right. But it's just a terrible place to stop because God does speak to us because of his greatness, and his greatness is good enough to cover our lack of greatness. The more we know him, there is a way that the things of Earth, both the successes and the failures, just don't mean as much. We just say, I really, I think I can be content just knowing you. And I want that to be my content, but, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm growing yeah. more content. You would originally said, how can we know it's God's voice? And I said, first, you just got to know that it is. Right. But while this isn't my first reason for knowing it's God's voice, reality is, some of the way we know it's God's voice is by sharing something we've heard with other people. So. I hear Miguel's speaking, and all of a sudden, I hear God's voice in Miguel. I hear it in the interviewer, Kevin. I was sharing a quote from my book, which just sounds really weird. And I can see Matthew, because we're doing this on Skype. God doesn't speak to us because of our goodness. He speaks to us because of his goodness. And Matthew is shaking his head. And all of a sudden, my heart is stirred. Mm -hmm. My heart is stirred because Matthew is shaking his head. And yet, I felt like the sense of God was on my heart just by Matthew's shaking head was was a way of almost stirring my heart. And I would say, one of the ways we know it's God's voice is by sharing something. I can say, Matthew, I was praying this morning, I heard this, what do you think? And Matthew, who's not in the middle of my troubles, so he's not under all the kind of cloud that I'm under, Mm. he's going to have a clear idea and he's going to say, Sam, that sounds good. Or you might say, have you thought about this? So it's not my first reason for knowing this is God's voice, but I think it's a very high up there is community, really, is in community, we both hear God in somebody else. I heard God in Miguel, and I heard God when you guys were interviewing, but also community because I can ask someone to help me discern. My understanding is secret service agents, they're all known for protecting the president, but one of their biggest jobs is spotting counterfeits. Mm. And the way they teach people to spot counterfeits is they actually spend time touching real money. And the more they touch the real money, the more they can identify a fake. Yeah. And in my book, I have four different meditation methods about how not just to read scripture for information, not just to read scripture for morality. And of course, I want information, I want morality. Yes. But to read scripture, to literally hear God's voice in the middle of reading scripture, to the point where in my scripture time, I like to read scripture. I start my day, I enjoy it, and I feel like I hear God. I can hear God say, I love you. I can hear God say, Sam, you're being impatient with your wife. I can hear God saying, I just want to talk. We can hear God's voice in scripture. And the more we do that, the more we start to recognize when that word I heard was not from God. It's a counterfeit. Yeah, because I spend so yeah.
0: much time with the real thing. Sam, I got two more questions for you. One of them is, going back to beliefs of the heart. Yeah. You said, I also write to help all of us recognize the hidden counterfeit beliefs of that disempower us from living lives in God. I mean, really examining what my personal belief is, tearing it apart and saying, hey, does my life look like I believe this? And what beliefs do I hold today that might be shaped by our cultural moment? And that Mm -hmm. was really enlightening for me. So can you talk a little bit about the beliefs of the heart and examining that?
1: Yeah, I talk to so many believers. I talk to non-believers, but when I'm talking to a believer, most believers will say, I believe God loves me. And I believe God loves me but I realize I do believe God loves me in my head. But in my heart, I get angry with people, I get frustrated with people, I get impatient. And to some degree, I think that anger, impatience, fear is reflecting, I don't really believe God loves me. In that moment, at least, I don't believe God loves me. And what I want to do in Beliefs of the Heart is move our beliefs from our head to our heart. There is a truth. So, I, another phrase, I use beliefs of the heart and I use intimate theology. Yes, you do. And the idea is, it's truth. I don't want us to get away from truth, because today's society seems to escape truth. But it's truth, is heart enriching, it's heart burning, it gets my heart burning in a good way, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we're mm-hmm. not our hearts burning with us. That burning was a joy and a delight and mm-hmm. euphoria. What I want to do is get the truth, which we find in Scripture, but we find from other Christian authors and community. I want to get the God-revealed truth in Scripture, and I want to move it to our heart that brings life. That's, I feel like, my call in life.
0: What's the Lord saying to you, like this morning?
1: I've had a very, just a tough last few years. Nothing horrible, but I had a tough time. So, at the retreat, we were just talking about the two words that I came to the retreat were with exhausted and expectant. Mm -hmm. And I feel like God in the last week has been saying something to me over and over and over again. I feel like there's, in a certain sense, my main goal in life is intimate theology, bring truth to the heart. But I feel like specifically the two truths that I think God wants me to bring is I want to teach people how to read scripture in a way that brings life. And I love this. I mean, I've, I have been planning this retreat that I want to put on that I think will help people delight in scripture. But the second thing is I want to teach people about the influence of the world where I think people don't know the influence of the world. I feel like that's in a certain sense, the key thing that God has put on my heart. That's why I studied 17th century European intellectual history is to understand our mind. And I have been scared to write this. I just feel like, I feel so inadequate to to do the very thing I feel like God has put on my heart. And I feel like God has been saying to me, I'm sorry about tearing up, unbelievable, but I feel like the, I feel like God is saying there's an enemy that we have that we're not really battling. We battle Satan, we battle some of these other things but we're letting an enemy in, I feel inadequate to explain it. I feel like God, just the last few weeks, to say, just share the part I've told you. Mm. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to write a Shakespeare play. That I feel like God's saying, Sam, just take the one step that I've asked you to write. Yeah, and I'm all of a sudden, I'm moved. I feel like I can't wait to do this. I feel like my fear has been self-centered in a certain sense. I want to write the next great book on it. And I feel like God say, be God-centered in this. Say, what is the little piece that God has given me? And I want to write that as well as I can. Oh, yeah. And I so
0: encourage that.
1: I'm also just excited and encouraged to do a little thing that God has given me.
0: And so if you enter into a relationship where you just listen to the Lord and have conversation with Him, these are the kind of things that He will talk to an individual about. Here's the next step to encourage you with something that He's planted in your heart. How can people connect with you, Sam? I've got your Hearing God in Conversation 18-week personal study guide. That's on your website, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. What's the best way for people to get more of this? And by the way, when I get a great author on, I stockpile some books. And I, once again, anybody who's listening to this, while supplies last, I will give them your book for free. So where's your other stuff?
1: So my website is called Beliefs of the Heart B E L I E F S, the plural, Beliefs of the Heart. Which is I want to move our beliefs from our head to our heart. Beliefs of the You can email me at Sam at beliefs of And like you, I will give a book to anybody who wants one. No questions asked. This is asked, why we I like each other. To to give God. it away. Give it away. And you can buy it on Amazon. Hearing God in Conversation. And if and if you're a group out there who would like a weekend retreat, like at your church on a Saturday night, a Friday night Saturday, or if you're a men's group or whatever, and you want to retreat. I love doing retreats on how to hear God. Mm -hmm. And my retreats are a little teaching and a lot of time with God, hearing God in small group. I do got to do a little lecture. I don't want to do much of one, but we really practice hearing God and it's just fun. So, if you want, if your church is interested in it, and I can do it at your church building, it makes it a lot cheaper consider that too. Okay. So email me at sam at beliefsoftheheart.com.
0: Very good. I often, at the end of a conversation or a stopping point, turn it over to have them pray for the person who's listening to this right now. But I'd like to start off, and then I'll just turn it over to you, and you can close out with the prayer. But Father, I ask your blessing on my brother Sam. Father, I ask that you just breathe on what you've put inside of him so that when he takes this next step that really smacks of you, Father, it sounds like you, it smells like you, it tastes like you. So, Father, that it would be more than he could hope or imagine, that you are not limited by his limitation. You are strong when we're not enough. So would you just breathe on it and bless him and blow him away as you show off
1: father as we pray we pray that the listeners grow in a connection and a relationship and an intimacy and an ability to hear your voice i pray that we all grow how to just converse with you to say father i'm scared right now father Uh i'm confused i don't know what to do i'm lost father i'm scared for my kids i'm confused about my kids i'm scared about my job father i don't hear your voice please speak to me father help us to talk to you the way we would talk to the Father that we know to the best Father we can imagine, and we know that you're better than that. I pray that you help us talk to you that way, and then I pray that you open our ears to hear you speaking back to us. We know that you are speaking to us, but I hope you open our ears and shift out all that rubble that's trying to block us from hearing you, so that we grow in an intimate connection with you, that you speak to us in our daily lives, and that we hear you, and that And it gives us a joy unspeakable as you speak to us. In the name of Jesus, who saved us from sin and death, but saved us for a conversational relationship with you. In Jesus' name.
0: So, from our end, this is Jack saying, you are (laughs) (laughs) sick.
1: Bye, Sam. (laughs) Bye, you guys. That was fun.